It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. The plan was to get this roster with this new regime. They were not keeping this roster, my friend. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels were not keeping the roster they inherited from Mayock and Gruden and before that. And there were going to be changes, and we told you. Are you with me on that? Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. That's it. That's all we've been telling you all year if you've been listening. They have a plan. I'm not saying it's going to work. It's going to be 100%. But I'm behind the plan. The plan is to get it up to speed where it's really good for a long period of time. But you are what your record is. Sound off like you got a pair. And now, JT, the man to miss the legend. Here's JT the Brick. All right, welcome back, JT, here as we wrap up our week here on the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. The Bucket of Modellos. On ice should be a quiet weekend heading into Memorial Day. Always a special time for me. Always love being on Memorial Day. It'll be my 27-year anniversary on the radio. Memorial Day 1996 is when I started my career. And I always work on Memorial Day. I've never, ever, ever, I believe, have taken off on Memorial Day. It's my uh, kind of way of saying I'm here. I don't mind working a holiday so we won't be on here at Lotus Broadcasting here, but I'll be on Mad Dog Sports Radio that day. So hopefully you can catch me there. And again, have a good extended long weekend with your family as OTAs. This was a big week knowing that Josh McDaniels was going to speak to the media about Jimmy Garoppolo, the procedure that he had. Devontae Adams cleared the air. He seems to be in a great place. Uh, we're going to get to Max Crosby. We didn't get a chance to talk about Max yesterday. I want to make sure we do that, but... This week, we lost another icon with Tina Turner, who passed away, the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. And a week ago today, right around this time, Jim Brown passed away. I got pretty emotional when we saw it there, and I saw it via social media, when the social media broke, and that was right around now, and we didn't have enough time to do a tribute. It fell on a Friday going into a weekend, and by the time we got back here Monday, earlier in the week, it was really important, but we touched on Jim Brown a few shows but not the way that I really felt I would have enjoyed doing a full-on Jim Brown tribute show. And I reached out to his wife, Monique, and wished her well on email and the family. And again, as, I, you know, as I've done a bunch of radio shows since Jim Brown's passed, I still think of him. I got a great piece in my sports room in my house of his framed jersey, number 32. I think I look at it every day. Every day, if I'm at home... I see it. If I'm in my home studio, I see it. And I think of Jim Brown. And one of the great photos I have that he personally autographed to me was when he played at Yankee Stadium against the Giants and he was running off tackle. It's one of my most acclaimed pictures that I own. And he Hall of Famed it for me, HOF 1971. So with Jim Brown and everything that he was able to do and the career that he had, the epic career that he had, I had an opportunity to catch up with Warren Moon the other day. And Warren, also a Hall of Famer who knew Jim Brown really well. And I asked Warren Moon to talk about the passing of his friend, his counterpart, the great Hall of Famer. Yeah, you know, it was really sad to hear, uh, JT, because I just saw Jim um, at a Super Bowl event not too long ago in Arizona. And then, of course, at Hall of Fame weekend last year in, in August. And he, he really didn't look that great. He wasn't moving very well, but uh, but he was there. And um it was just great to have him, you know, in our presence, uh, just because he's such a great figure and, and what he's meant to everybody over the years. But very sad to hear that he's passed away, and uh, 
just a great uh, football player, no question about it, one of the greatest ever, if not the greatest ever, but an even more greater man because of what he tried to do in the community uh, during his, uh, his free time. Uh, you know, Warren, you had deep uh, roots in Los Angeles. And when you heard the stories about him with the Bloods and the Crips and American and trying to stop the violence, we're talking about hardcore violence that was going on in some of those neighborhoods. And Jim would leave his house and go there and try to talk to the leaders of those gangs or have those gang members up to his house. And there'd be other Hall of Famers like Curtis Martin. Ray Lewis would go up there. You'd hear the stories, you knowing him in the background there. He really had a unique impact on trying to get to the core of all these problems. Yeah, he really did. He really cared about the community, and he was huge in the civil rights movement, you know, way back in the 60s, and, uh, you know, carried that into, like you said, uh, his work with, with gangs. And, you know, he took a big risk uh, going and meeting with those gangs because they could have done anything to him at any time, uh, especially mm-hmm. when you have two gangs that are, you know, have that much hatred between each other, and he's trying to bring them together. Um, you know, just one little thing could set those guys off. So he was taking a tremendous risk in doing that. But over time, he created a lot of uh, trust out of those gangs, and they started to really listen to what he had to say and how much it meant. And he made a lot of progress in those areas. So uh, mm-hmm. I take my hat off to him for that and for the work that he did in trying to end that gang violence and get these guys back on the right track. Warren Moon joins us, Hall of Famer. Warren, different paths. You know, you had a wait to come to the NFL and go to Canada where you had all that success, and then were able to come back. And then he retires at the age of 29 on a movie set. When you think about your path and how long it took you to get here and then the long, long dominant career, and Jim walked off the field at the age of 29 on a movie set, what jumps out at you thinking about how early he got out of the game? Yeah, I I thought he was able to leave on his own terms. You know, he he had a great nine-year run when he was in the league. I think he led the league in rushing eight of those nine years and uh, was the MVP three different times. Uh, I remember watching him in the Coliseum against the Rams when he was with the Cleveland Browns when I was 10 years old back in 1966. And I was just amazed by just how effortlessly he ran the football and and ran over people. And he looked like he was as big as all the players on the defensive side of the ball. But – uh, he, he was definitely a, a tremendous uh, force in the game, uh, but you know he, he had that gift for uh, wanting to do something different and not beat his body up, kind of like a, a Barry Sanders who left the game very mm-hmm. early as well. And uh, Jim went in and had a very successful movie career uh, at a very early age of 29. Uh, Warren Moon, as we wrap it up, Warren, on all your trips, and I know how much you care about Canton, Ohio, and the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Has there been anybody close? maybe another quarterback because that's your position where he'd walk in a room and everyone would be in awe. Tim Brown talked about that on social media, that when Jim was the hall of famers are all great. They're your peers. But when a guy like Jim walks into a room over the years, the impact he has as you make eye contact with him, knowing you're in that same fraternity with him. You know, JT, he was like the Godfather. You know, if the Godfather walks into the room, everybody just kind of goes wherever he is and bows down and, and kind of, you know, praises him. You know, that that's kind of how Jim was whenever we had our Ray Nishke luncheon on Fridays. When he came into the room, everybody went over and paid their respects to him. And, you know, these last few years, he was usually in a wheelchair, so he wasn't able to move around a whole lot. But everybody made sure they went and talked to Jim uh, during that time. That's that's how much respect he had from all the other players. And, and I always had a chance to have a little chat with him and, 
and uh, he always had some great words of encouragement for me or whatever. And, and uh, I, I just, I'm going to miss those so much because even at this point in my life, you know, you like hearing wisdom because you don't know everything, mm-hmm. even though you think you know everything at this age. But Jim always was able to give me some type of wisdom whenever we, uh, whenever we got together and talked. So uh, he's going to be very well missed by, of course, his family and friends, but definitely by his, uh, his other team, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Hey, uh, Warren, last one as you go here. The Tom Brady news going to partner with Tom, with Mark Davis, uh, be a minority owner in Vegas. I see you here a lot in Vegas, and Tom's been here a lot. He's part owner in the Aces, the women's team. Is this surprising to you that he ended up on the side of the Raiders with ownership compared to Robert Kraft and the Patriots? You know Mark Davis pretty well. How do you think this came about? You know, I think it's because of Tom's affinity for the, for the Vegas area. I think he sees where mm. Vegas growing as a sports uh, capital in this country. You know, they, they have football now. They have hockey now. They're looking at baseball. I think they'll have an NBA team here pretty soon. Uh, so I think he's looking at that. His Aces team just won the WNBA championship last year. So I think he sees, even though New England is where he spent most of his career, that Vegas might be the better investment opportunity moving forward. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why he wants to be there. Thank you, Warren. I'll see you soon, man. Always appreciate your time. All the best to you. Okay, JT, thank, thank you, and take care of yourself. Appreciate Warren Moon jumping in on that, and obviously mentioning the Tom Brady news about him having a minority stake. That was a story that, important to many, not important to others, the NFL owners will vote on this, and Tom Brady, I didn't know when I saw the stat, forget who put it out, ESPN said, only the third player ever in NFL history to be involved in ownership, going back to George Hallis, the legendary bear, and then you go to Jerry Richardson, who was the owner of the Carolina Panthers until he had to get out of that team, kind of in disgrace, had to move on from his team, which was very unfortunate, his behavior at the end of his tenureship. And now Tom Brady with this minority interest with Mark Davis, which a lot of people are talking about. I went on a radio show in Connecticut earlier in the week to talk about this topic, and I didn't have much to add. They asked me, how much does he owe? I don't know. Uh, How much does he own? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know why he did it, but I, I'm telling everybody about Tom Brady getting involved here. I think it's, it has to do with his friendship. He's very comfortable with Mark Davis. He really loves Las Vegas. He's putting some type of roots down here in the WNBA with the Aces and obviously now with the Raiders. It's a great lifestyle move for him. Golf's a big deal. Golf is a big deal to Devontae and to Derek Carr when he was the quarterback, and to Tom Brady. They love to play Shadow Creek in the summit and all that. Mark Wahlberg's out here now. They've been friends for a long time. If you look at the Brady fit here, it elevates the brand of the NFL, which he's a big part of, and the Las Vegas Raiders. Because around the league, people are saying, why is Tom Brady getting involved out in Las Vegas? I think it's twofold. He wants to be involved in the NFL. This was his best opportunity. Clearly, he didn't get an opportunity like this from Robert Kraft. And secondly, and most importantly, I think Brady is betting on this city, the city of Las Vegas going forward. As the entertainment capital of the world, he's been to the fights, he goes to UFC events, very tight with Dana White. And on top of that, he understands that Vegas is going to be a hub for sports, not only just entertainment when it comes to music and shows. So I think it's a big deal, more of a non-event for me, but a big event for a lot of fans who have been very opinionated on this. But I wanted to wrap this up before we uh, get to a little bit of Max Crosby from yesterday to really get into Jim Brown again. May he rest in peace. Again, I remember he said on one of the documentaries that he wanted his ashes spread out where he grew up as a young boy. He came from Long Island, New York, where I'm from, in Manhasset, but 
being born down in the Carolinas and his opportunity to have the impact that he had in Los, uh, Los Angeles and in Cleveland and around Canton, Ohio and the NFL. Jim Brown had a huge impact in my life, and he passed away a week ago today. All right, you miss any portion of the shows this week. Hey, great job at Raiders.com. Just want to give a shout-out to the digital team. If you get a chance to go to Raiders.com, you're going to see some new podcast. We'll have a new roundtable next week, but a lot of uh, videos and a lot of one-on-ones and, and great photos from OTAs this week. Go to Raiders.com and get up to date with everything they have here. When we come back, a few minutes from what Mad Max said yesterday as we continue here on Friday, brought to you by our great friends, the DeCastaverde Law Group, Alex and Orlando DeCastaverde, a heritage built on their father's ability to be a great attorney in the state of Nevada and for his sons to take his legacy and run from it. If you get into any type of accident, especially a car accident, they'll help you. They're Raider fans, they're Raider Nation radio partners, and they're my friends. 702-222-999, the DeCastaverde Law Group, as we continue. Friday, beautiful Friday here. Have a great Memorial Day weekend as we continue on the flagship of the Silver and Black. All right, JT, back with you as we continue on. Uh, A lot of things went down yesterday when we came here. Harry Ruiz was in for me on Wednesday, and I knew Thursday would be a big show because yesterday Josh McDaniels met the media. He had to answer why Jimmy G's not available. I think he handled that well, gave us about as much as he could give us there, and a lot of Raider fans are trying to absorb that and digest it and try to figure out what's going to happen with Jimmy G going forward. As I said on the show yesterday, I'll reiterate it live today again, It seems like training camp, he'll be back and ready to go. If that's not the case, then we're going to have to handle this a little bit different. But all indications are yesterday inside the building that Jimmy G is going to be okay and they are aware of everything. Even when they signed him, this would be a process, and he's getting through that process to be ready for training camp. If that changes, you'll hear about that first on the flagship of the Raiders. Welcome back. We're brought to you by PTs. Thanks again to PTs. Last Friday, they had me a journey out in Laughlin and Golden Entertainment. Not only do they own the Stratosphere, which is now the Strat, Arizona Charlie's, 64 taverns here, 64 taverns, one of the largest slot operators, the largest slot operator in all of Las Vegas, and they own the Laughlin Event Center. I highly recommend it. If you want to go out and see a show, take a look at their lineup at the Laughlin Entertainment Center. It was a fantastic venue. We had a great time. So Devontae also spoke yesterday. We covered that. We had it live. And I didn't get a chance to get to Max Crosby, who I texted and was quickly in touch with after his press conference yesterday. Here's a few minutes of Mad Max, the face of the defense, yesterday coming off the field in OTAs. Texas kid in there, Tyree Wilson. Yep. And him talking to us, he's talking about how he wants to kind of saddle up with you and learn everything. Uh, at this level, um, to be where you are in your career, and to be kind of respected that way by somebody like Tyree, how does that make you feel? Um, it's a great feeling. You know, uh, I have, you know, my, my dad will send me clips, you know, of guys talking, you know, in the combine and stuff like that. Um, you know, that's that's really what it's it's all about. You know, I've always dreamed to be in the position I am right now. Um, I'm not even close to where I want to be. Um, but I know I'm going in the right direction. So, you know, having a guy like Tyree in the building, um, 
and just being able to you know help him any way he can. Uh, that's that's something I didn't have when I was a rookie. You know what I mean? We didn't have a lot of vets or anything like that. Um, you know, especially in D line when we had a you know a different group. But I've always wanted to you know have a guy like Von Miller. You know, when I was when I was a rookie, I reached out to Von. I reached out to all the top guys and try to pick their brains. And so um, yeah, you know, especially as a rookie, you know. That's that's what I want to be, a great veteran for, you know, all the young guys and just have them, you know, come to me if they need anything. Knowing you to be the football head that you are, uh, I'm sure you've watched film of Tyree. Um, what, what are your, I know he's not out there, but what are your thoughts on what you saw of him in college? Um, you know, I haven't watched a ton. Uh, I've obviously I've seen a bunch of highlights and things like that, but um, just from his physical gifts alone, um, he can be a great player. Um, it just about the work you put in once you get in the league. You know, you can have tools, you can have every bit of talent. Um, that's the NFL, everybody's talented, but it's what you do when you get in the building. And uh, he's had a great attitude so far. Um, he seems like a great kid, so um, I'm going to be there for him. You know, I know Chandler will as well and all the other veterans. So uh, we're here to help not only Tyree, but, you know, Byron and all the, all the new guys we brought in as well. Max, you've got two rookie defensive tackles, two sophomores, and then, of course, Tyree. A lot of youth on your line. As the leader of this defense, is there certain things you do to lead them? Is, do you do film sessions? Do you spend time with them? How does that work for you? Um, yeah, you know, I think a big part of, you know, what we're doing right now is just becoming closer as a unit, you know, especially D-line, uh, D-line-wise. Uh, we're meeting together. We're doing everything together. We're going out having dinners together. Um, we, you know, a couple guys went to power slap last night uh, together. But just getting out of the building and spending more time and, you know, building those relationships because that's the stuff that people don't really notice, you know, on the field. Like, you you watch the Chiefs, everyone knows Kelsey and Mahomes are on the same page. You know, you watch the Bills, you know Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. There's a reason, you know, they're on the same page because they're doing, you know, more than just playing football together. They're doing things off the field together as well. So that's kind of been my main focus, you know, as a leader, um, taking that next step and just trying to bring the guys together, um, you know, not only with the D-line, but as a defense as a whole and, you know, just as a team as a whole, holding everybody to that standard. That slap face a potential career post-football for Hell no. Hell no. No, no chance. <laughs> no chance, but I, I will keep watching it. It's entertaining. <laughs> talk about being a mentor now, right? And you think about where you were in your second season and coming through recovery and having a breakout season and emerging as a star. Is it, do you sort of embrace the added pressure of, of, of now being a leader, being a mentor and, and sort of, and maybe how has becoming a parent helped that? How's that all come full circle going into OTAs? Um, you know, I love it in every single way. You know, at the end of the day, um, I do this year round. I put in everything into my craft, um, not only on the field, but off the field. And uh, I want to be the best person I could possibly be, the best leader I could be, the best athlete, the best football player I could possibly be. And that comes with more pressure. The more success you get, that's just inevitable. So um, for me, I've always wanted to be in this position. Uh, even though it is hard, you know, you're going to get more critics, you're going to get more attention, but that's a good thing at the end of the day. You know, if you're not, if nobody's talking about you, nobody expects big things from you, um, you know, you're probably doing something wrong. But I do everything I can to put myself in the best position to help this team be the best leader I can be and be the best player down to down um, in the National Football League. So that's my goal every day is be the best. Um, and I try to, you know, show my teammates what that looks like every single day. So, you know, even when the rookies came in, I told them, follow me every single day. If you want to continue building your career, follow me. I'm going to do it the right way. I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to do it every single day. Um, and that's what's really about is putting your head down and, you know, 
all the, all the extra like that's just a part of the game you know it's going to come with it you know people are going to either like you or they don't they're going to say this say that but at the end of the day if you're putting the body work every single day um over time people are all going to recognize that so that's just what i stick to first time in a couple of years um same defensive system that you're coming into in otas yeah. you feel that a little bit that, that there's a, a better uh, foundation here you know, above the knowledge of, of this defense? Definitely. You know, uh, last OTAs, uh, it was a lot. You know, obviously Pat was new. You know, he's installing a bunch of new stuff, trying to get everything in before we get to camp. Um, and so everything was just like, you're just learning and trying to just figure everything out on the fly. But now, you know, having another year, um, being able to help the guys that just got in is going to help them as well. Um, so, you know, things are going a lot smoother. You know, we're focusing on skill development right now, focus on getting better as football players. Because at the end of the day, you call whatever you want. But if you know you're not a good football player, it's not gonna it doesn't matter. So guys are really locked in right now. We're working um, and working on our crafts, and uh, it's been great to see. You know, everyone's dialed in. Um, we have you know dudes with great attitude and with a lot of talent, and and are showing up every day. So it's been it's been encouraging to see. Love Max, completely focused, got the leaping going, the leader of this team on the defensive side, and growing into a veteran man. Max Crosby, remember the fourth round pick. Coming in, he's already surpassed his rookie contract, got a hundred-plus million-dollar extension. The leader of the defense, a great player, and a great leader in the city of Las Vegas. Love everything he's doing here, and he's the architect of this defense on the front now with Tyree Wilson, Chandler Jones. They got a lot of help in the interior. There's a bunch of defensive tackles who are good, really good, and there's going to be a fight for these defensive tackles, interior linemen. There's just not enough jobs to go around. I think that's going to be one of our best camp breakdowns when we do our podcast and we interview. It's talking about this interior defensive line because I think they got better in the secondary. They definitely got better with Tyree Wilson up front on the defensive line. But as I mentioned yesterday, the linebacker position, still don't believe it's strong. And I think it needs to get better And in order for this defense to really rock and roll and play great on the back end and get that pass rush up close, the linebackers have got to excel this year. There's got to be some more news coming at this linebacker position, either an additional player or someone proving that they can play at a higher level than I expect here on paper. Mad Max Crosby on a Friday for all the inspiration you need as we continue on. All right, when we come back, we'll wrap it up with the Golden Knights. And everything that the Golden Knights have done, everything the Golden Knights want to be, and everything in front of us on the Las Vegas sports calendar as we head into Memorial Day weekend. JT, live with Bobby in studio today on a Friday on Raider Nation Radio. And across the line, a tie-up, a diving, centering pass out in front. Sliding save, and it goes behind. Hill sprawls out, now in the middle. Extra pass, a shot, they score! Pavelski! Stars win in overtime! All right, welcome back as we wrap it up. Heading into Memorial Day here on the flagship of the Silver and Black. Raider Nation Radio, I hope everybody has a great Memorial Day weekend. If you get some extra time off. Enjoy that. If you're traveling today, I have a routine in the morning on what I read, what I watch. Threw on the news this morning. And again, chaos potentially at airports. You know, they always say on Memorial Day, record crowds getting on the road. If you're going to get on the road, be safe. I know a lot of people are coming in from California to Vegas. 
Some people are getting out of Vegas to get to California and the beaches, whatever you're doing. Be safe on the road. If you get into an accident, my guys, the DeCastaverde Law Group will take care of you. 702-222-9999. I was mentioned in my routine in the morning. I have a routine. I'm sure you do when it comes to sports. And we appreciate you listening to our show. Hopefully that's part of your routine. You catch the morning show. You catch mine, maybe Rich Eisen, you go sample other shows, whatever you're doing. I have a routine. In the morning, the first thing I do is walk my dog at this beautiful park that I have by my house in Summerlin, the Gardens Park, and I don't bring my phone. I don't bring my phone because that's probably my favorite part of the day. It really is. Uh, peaceful, quiet. The old ladies in the park love my dog. They come up. They want to talk, have a great conversation. We love it. And my dog has unlimited time. No rush. And then I come back, uh, feed the dog. I go out in my backyard and I read the newspaper. I read the Las Vegas Review Journal because it's a great sports page. I'll put it up there against any sports page I've ever read. From the Sporting Green up in San Francisco, I read 10 newspapers a day, every day, my entire career, because that's what I do. That's my routine. And most of them I do online. And again, I don't read the high school scores. I don't read the commentaries. I read the, you know, what's happening nationally, the Miami Herald, Boston Globe, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You know, in the Bay Area, I kind of mix and match and go around. The Oakland Tribune doesn't cover the Raiders anymore. So that's still on my radar, but not much to read. And, you know, I like to get into this routine. And the paper today was outstanding. I want to give a shout-out to Ed Graney. He is a fabulous sports writer. Unbelievable. He's not good. He's great. He's won many awards here in Southern Nevada, in the state of Nevada, as the best. He wrote a column, no denying Dallas was the better team in game four. And he was right about it. He went into detail. There would be no celebration for the Golden Knights on Thursday night. No Western Conference title just yet. No Clarence Campbell Bowl to take pictures around. And he dove into detail, Ed did, on how they were outworked. And Miami was outworked. I'm going to get to that in a minute because I want to hit on the NBA today. But very important, last night, I watch a lot of Golden Knights, and we talk about a lot of it here because they're a big hockey team in town. And when I watch the games, a lot of times I DVR them, and I'll go back and watch the third period. It was the second period in this game last night where they were flat. They didn't have much at all. They weren't skating with authority. And Dallas was just shot out of a cannon. They were playing unbelievable, and they were playing with faster pace, and Aiden Hill played really good in net. I think one of the commentators on the broadcast said, our goalie in Vegas had his best game up until that point because he stopped a lot of pivotal shots in the game that could have just turned it into a blowout. Could have been a two-goal game, three-goal game. Third period, I think Vegas was skating to win because with under 10 minutes to go, and I tweeted about the nine-minute mark, I said, this is it. You're going to get to the Stanley Cup. They should be playing at the highest level, but Dallas wanted it a little bit more. And Pavelski scored, and their other best players scored twice. And we're looking at a team now that has a little bit of momentum. Now, I am not concerned, as I said in the opening hour of the show. I'm not concerned that Vegas is going to choke this away because if you go from 3 nothing and you lose, that's a choke of epic proportions. I am not there. But we're not back on the radio until Tuesday, everybody. All right, we're not on the radio till Tuesday with Memorial Day here on this platform, and I don't want to be talking about the Golden Knights when I come back on Tuesday and what happened. They got an opportunity at the Fortress 
tomorrow night to close this thing out, but you never know what's going to happen. Are they going to start flat? Are they going to start slow? What's going to be the pace of the game? Is Dallas going to get a cheap goal? Will there be a penalty? Because the penalties were wild in this game, and a couple of bad penalties cost them the game. As I tweet, you go in the box in overtime, you lose the game. So no need to panic, and there might be a little bit of panic sounding in my voice because as I'm about to talk about the Celtics, I think there should be panic with Miami, but not with the Vegas Golden Knights. So what needs to happen in this next game? Bobby ran the board for the game last night in the postgame with Cassidy, the head coach, and they seem to be right where they need to be. They weren't going to win every game. They weren't going to win every game in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But this game was a little bit concerning for me because Dallas – Shouldn't have had anything to play for. They were mentally and physically defeated. They're missing their best player. There was no chance that they were going to get off the mat and win this game, in my opinion, and they did. So was there a little bit of panic in my voice? Maybe. But when I look back in sports, that's the way my DNA is. Whenever I look at my Yankees in 2004, three games to nothing lead, biggest choke of all time. To my team, the team that's won 27 championships, The greatest franchise in baseball history, no one's even close. Sorry, Dodgers and Cardinals, you're not even even in the rearview mirror. And the Yankees are a part of the biggest collapse in baseball history. The Yankees, we're not talking about the Royals or the Guardians or the Gritty Gutty Rays. One of these days, one of these things are going to happen. And it could be with the Miami Heat. I doubt it's going to happen with the Vegas Golden Knights. But wow, what an opportunity for Vegas to win last night. Get on the plane, have a couple of cocktails, fly back to Vegas and have some time off with their family over Memorial Day because it's going to take time to start this series. Gary Lawless told us yesterday if they won possibly Wednesday, now where it goes, even if they win on Saturdays at a Wednesday start or later in next week, it's multiple days off for the Vegas Golden Knights on a veteran team to rest their legs and they blew a golden opportunity to do that last night. They didn't choke. They didn't play poorly. They didn't give up a cheap goal, but they were man down. And you can't be man down in the postseason in overtime. That is reckless, high-sticking. McNabb was awful with two penalties that led to goals. You can't make mistakes like that. So as we take a look at what's going to happen here, cover of the Las Vegas Review-Journal today, pressed in the West. Ninths aren't best yet at desperate stars wanted it, quote, more than us. And the coverage here was really good, fantastic, on a good day in the paper because it talked about a lot of local stories from the Raiders and Josh McDaniels and Devontae Adams. But most importantly, a really deep dive from the cover on the Golden Knights and all the contributors here, including Ed Graney, that do a really good job. Star power shines for Dallas. Robinson's two goals revive hopes. Okay, hopes are revived, everybody in Dallas. They shouldn't have been. They should have been stomped out on the ice, embarrassed in front of their fans, and Vegas wasn't able to do this. So here we go. Here we go. Coming up, game five. You know, look at what what happened in here. They have the uh, final schedule, the Stanley Cup final schedule printed, which I don't think they should. I don't think they should. But we'll see what happens. They're giving us some dates. If the Western Conference final goes six or seven games, Game one of the Stanley Cup Finals would be June 3rd. Game two, June 5th. If the Golden Knights win game five, which would be tomorrow, game one would be Wednesday night. Then game two would be June 3rd. 
and then Vegas would be able to get the game back at June 10th at T-Mobile Arena, and the potential for Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. Game 7 would be June 16th. June 16th, as I'll be emceeing the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame, and I hope that's not the case. I hope this thing is won long before that, so keep that in mind there. I don't know why I read that, but it, it just jumped out at me as I have the paper here right in my hands. Projected Stanley Cup final schedule. I don't know if I'm the editor if I would have put that in the paper today. I don't think anybody needs to know about the Stanley Cup schedule when we haven't gotten to the Stanley Cup yet. No need to tap your kegs before they're tapped or count your kegs before they're tapped. An old college term I used to uh, talk about back in the day. So we'll see what happens. I'm a little bit nervous here. Bobby's a little bit nervous, but Bobby picks up another game. And for everybody in town who wants to make more revenue, that was another tweet I put out last night at JT the Brick on Twitter. There's a lot of people I know in town from the MGM, uh, the people that work at T-Mobile, the great men and women who park cars and work security. They want game five. They want to go to work. And I understand that completely. But I'd rather get, I'd rather get locked into the Stanley Cup final than have an extra game at home. Because if Vegas doesn't win this game on Saturday, this is going seven. Because it's not going to end on the road in Dallas if Dallas wins right here at the Fortress. So Vegas needs to put them down. They need an explosive game. Everybody needs to bring their A game and win on home ice in Vegas coming up on Saturday. Everybody get it? I think you did. That's why I put a lot of time into it with Bobby as we wrap up. We're getting close to wrapping up the show here on Memorial Day, heading into Memorial Day weekend. All right, so Bobby's feeling pretty good because he gets an extra day working Golden Knights, cashes another check, and his Boston Bruins won last night. So, Bobby, let's throw to the final call as the Celtics were dominant once again, beating the Heat. The Boston Celtics win game four facing elimination. They win game five facing elimination, and the Celtics have taken their talents and the series back to South Beach. Game six. On Saturday night, the final score, Boston 110, Miami 97. So the Celtics easily win that game, and Boston is alive. And Boston is not only alive, but Boston has a puncher's chance to have the greatest upset in the history of the NBA. In the history of the NBA, you know the record, what is it, 151-0? and 151-0 and when a team is up 3 nothing they win the series. So Boston can do it, and it sets up. So I put out a little video on Reels. Everyone has a Reels video. Everyone's got a podcast. Put that out after Boston won that game in Miami and said, watch out, watch out. They got a puncher's chance because they do. They got better players. Now, if ever we're going to have one of these iconic upsets in the history of sports, it's got to be a great team. I earlier referenced the 2004 Red Sox. It was a great team. You know, Big Poppy. Pedro, you look at the players that they had. They came back down 3 nothing against the Yankees, and they were an all-time great team. Boston is a lot better than Miami. Miami played much better to go up 3 nothing, but they're an eight seed. They're an eight seed that could have got bounced in the play-in tournament. I mean, Atlanta had their number. This is Miami team up until the last two games is incredible. So I'm looking at what's happening here, forcing a game six. You know, Tatum 21-11, and 11. Butler had 14 points and 5 rebounds. I think this was a game that rarely happens in sports that we can point out 
The Heat are very well coached with Eric Spolstra. You can debate he's the best coach and has been one of the best coaches in the NBA for quite some time. He could not get his team mentally and physically prepared for that game. Wow. Let that sink in for a second. This is Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, in an elimination game to go to the NBA Finals, and they could not get their team ready to play in that game. That's a problem. You know, we mentioned the Golden Knights earlier. Golden Knights were ready to play. They lost in overtime. If, if they lost 5-1 and Cassidy didn't have them ready to play, that'd be a different story here. But the Heat are in trouble because mentally, the only thing that they have going for them is home court advantage in the next game. And I did a podcast earlier today with my podcast partner, Tom Looney, and he laughs at this, but he agrees with me. I've been saying this for decades. In certain series... Game six is game seven. Now, some people don't understand it. It's really simple. Game six is technically game seven for Miami because they can't win game seven in Boston. So game six for Miami at home is really the series. It's game seven because if they don't win, they're toast. They're done. They got no chance to go back to Boston, losing three in a row, and then win a game there. So they got to treat game six like it's game seven. And I think they're in big trouble. And I'm not going to say I predicted this. I didn't predict it when they were down three, nothing, but I mentioned it because it's got the formula for a comeback. Better players, better players on Boston. See, the Lakers didn't have better players in Denver. They weren't going to come back. They got swept. When they were down three, nothing, you didn't hear anybody say, well, the Lakers, they're going to win the next four in a row. Give me a break. The Lakers stink. Lakers really do stink. LeBron James is one of the greatest of all time. Anthony Davis played reasonably well this year defensively. But the rest of that team, Dennis Schroeder, give me a break. They're counting on you know, young kids running around. Hachimura, good player. Overall, they're not very good. Denver was easily the better team. Miami is not easily the better team. So Miami leads the series three games to do, and that is an epic storyline heading into the weekend. Now, this uh, hot shot sports talk host would love to say, Hey, I think Boston's going to win. I'm, I'm still not going to do that. If Boston wins, I had Boston beating Denver in the NBA Finals this year. I'd love to get that prediction right. I don't know many people that predicted that. Before the season started, on this air, I picked Denver, Boston, Boston, and six. If Boston comes back and wins this series, I think they're actually better than Denver, who's a very good team. But the Heat, the Heat have home court advantage coming up to this next game. And Jimmy Butler is going to have to rise to the occasion. Man, they are fired up in Boston. They are ready to go in Boston for this unbelievable opportunity to do something great. You know, Jimmy Butler said, keep calm. We know who we are. Uh Uh-oh. When Jimmy Butler has to say that, when he has to say, stay calm, you got to be a little bit worried. Quote, because the last two games were not who we are. It just happened to be that way. We stopped playing defense halfway through the game. Uh Uh-oh. Jimmy Butler is admitting that something's wrong mentally, maybe physically. They're tired. They're just not giving it what they need to give it. So I can't wait to see this. I don't have a dog in the fight here, but I'll be watching here over Memorial Day weekend. And if we come back here on Tuesday, because we're off on Memorial Day, it'll be great to see what happens here. Uh, Finally, uh, the head story today, the lead story, as I'm looking at ESPN.com, Josh McDaniels, Devontae Adams earned the right to vent on the Raiders. So Coach McDaniels spoke yesterday along with Devontae. 
we played we you know the morning show I think played it live of the coach we played Devonte live, and Devonte had a great opportunity yesterday to go scorched earth if he wanted to and he didn't because I don't think there's much of a story there, and a lot of the NFL is backtracking today they're trying to come up once again with the storyline I was watching one of the morning shows I think it was the Carton show I go back with Craig Carton years ago, and Greg Jeffries was on the show. And they're talking to Greg Jennings, excuse me, the former Packer. Greg Jennings, and he said, well, you know, they're talking about this Devontae story. Is he happy or not? And then out of nowhere, Greg Jennings says they do a piece on Russell Wilson, supposedly lost some weight, like he would know. And he said, yeah, that's why. Russell looks like he's locked in. That's why I think they can go to the Super Bowl. There we go again. Another former player, another TV guy, talking head, with the biggest propaganda out there. I used to say the biggest propaganda is the Chargers every year, right? Every year you get that Chargers propaganda. This is going to be the Chargers year. And it never happened. Never happened going back to Dan Fouts. It never happens. But when you come to the Denver propaganda, it's incredible. That national radio and TV guys every year at this time think that Denver's going to the Super Bowl. They're going to win the AFC. They've lost their last six out of seven to the Raiders, and the Raiders have personally fired the last two coaches. Again, people laugh at me when I say that. It's 100% accurate. The Las Vegas Raiders have fired Vic Fangio and Nathaniel Hackett because not only did Denver lose to the Raiders and those guys just get embarrassed, they hate the Raiders, and that led to the firing. You don't get fired in Denver because you can't beat Kansas City or you can't beat Indianapolis outside your division or you can't beat the Dolphins. You get fired in Denver if you can't beat the Oakland, L.A., or Las Vegas Raiders, and there's Greg Jennings today telling everybody on a show, hey, I think uh, Denver's going to the Super Bowl. So Devontae spoke yesterday. He did not go scorched starch because there was no need to. Devontae seems to be very happy. He said he loves his head coach. Well, I, you know, I'm not telling you fans what to do, but that's coming from Devontae, who's more important than a lot of people, and he says he loves the head coach. The head coach covered everything at the press conference yesterday, including this timeline for Jimmy Garoppolo, which really isn't a timeline. The timeline for Jimmy Garoppolo going forward is he's supposed to be ready by training camp. I don't know what that means. I'll dive deeper into it when I'm in the building. uh, They're not going to tell me anything that they wouldn't tell you. And I think at this point in time, it's going to be baby steps in finding out when Jimmy Garoppolo will be ready to play. And as we get closer to the timeline, of the official start of training camp, we should know by then. Because this story, which I was a little bit aware of, didn't leak to the media. And that's another good storyline that the media didn't know. Most of the media didn't, run, didn't slug a story, didn't write a story about Jimmy Garoppolo and the fact that he underwent this procedure so that there was no leakage, as we like to say, in Raider Nation. And now, so, will someone leak the timeline? I'm not. I'd just like to know when Jimmy Garoppolo is going to come back. So that's what we're talking about here today. A lot to get to, and we covered it all. I want to thank Bobby, who's got some Golden Knights work to do on Saturday, along with watching his Celtics, which will be a lot of fun. A big housekeeping item I just wanted to mention here before I wrap it up. Uh, Memorial Day will be my 27-year anniversary on sports radio. My first ever show was for Sports Fan Radio Network on Memorial Day, 1996. I gave up my career as a stockbroker to move out to Vegas. I was doing some fill-in work on the weekends, and they offered me my first shift and my first show, which was my show, 
on Memorial Day 1996. So Memorial Day, I always work. I never take it off as a never. I keep the streak alive. This will be year 27. On Monday, I'll be on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM 82. In the middle of the day, I'll send out a tweet, and it's for free. By the way, Sirius is at this point now where they have free programming, I think from May 25th all the way to June 15th or something like that. So if you have it in your car, but you don't subscribe, and you should because it's unbelievable. Sirius XM is incredible. I listen to all my radio, a lot of it, other than the chunks I listen here on Sirius XM. It's for free over Memorial Day weekend. You'll be able to catch me on Monday and Tuesday. And it'll be 27 years, and I don't have 27 minutes on the radio without a loyal audience, great advertisers and partners, and great management around us like we do here at Lotus Broadcasting and most of the other places that I've worked with. So Bobby started with me right after I began. He's been with me ever since. I want to thank Bobby for a great week here uh, on Lotus Broadcasting on what I think is a great platform on the flagship of the Raiders. Buck and the Modellos on ice. Both my sons are home, which I'm excited about. We're going to barbecue. We're going to lay out by the pool. We're going to play some golf. My sons are getting into golf, which means they want golf clubs. Wink, wink. My sons are looking for golf clubs. Wink, wink. So I got to figure out what I'm going to do to get my sons fitted for new golf clubs. Uh, I got a little time to kill on that one, but it'll be a great weekend here. Have a safe holiday weekend, everybody. If you miss any portion of the show, lvsportsnetwork.com. Check out what I'm doing. Oh, and the podcast, which we did earlier today. Please put it into your weekend somewhere. JT and Looney, wherever you download your podcast. Q coming up next. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, everybody, and we'll see you back here on Tuesday. Thanks for listening to the flagship of the Silver and Black.